News stories were coming in about this strange virus in Wuhan, China. It was weeks before we saw the first cases in the U.S. As the numbers went up each day, my curiosity got the best of me, and I started plotting the curves. Hear stories from real people all over the world and how they've responded. I'm Sally Hendrick, founder of Shout Your Cause, and this is COVID-19, The World Responds. Hey, Kimberly, how are you doing? I'm Sally Hendrick. Hi, Sally. I'm doing good. Thanks. How are you? Good. Good to meet you finally. I uh, reached out to you yesterday, Mm -hmm. just yesterday, to talk to you about what's going on in your world. You have stepped up in the forefront of some of the social media noise out there, and that's how I found you. Yeah. So thank you so much for agreeing to talk with me today. Hey, yeah. Thanks for reaching out. I appreciate that. And it, it is a lot of noise. So it's yeah. nice to have an outlet that's a little bit more clear. <laughs> we need to be able to sit down and talk through some of these things because we are talking yeah. about very uh, difficult topics these days. Obviously, this is the whole COVID-19 situation. My podcast is called COVID-19, The World Responds. And that is what I'm trying to do is dig into all the different perspectives and bring forth the ideas and the stories so that we can actually have real conversations. Yeah, I love Um, that. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. So tell me a little bit about you just on the personal side and like, you know, what, what do you do and what's your situation? Yeah. So, um, I'm a mom. I've got three boys who are age five, three, and one. They're super cute and I love them. Um, they're all born (laughs) here in Nashville. Um, my husband and I have been here for about six years. Uh, we moved from Chicago, um, and we just, we just love Nashville. We loved the entrepreneurial, um, spirit of the city. We loved the friendliness of the people and, um, we're both Christians and we loved, um, you know, just the ability to, to have so many options for church and so many people who would just pray with us on the street and just a very loving community. Um, and we are both entrepreneurs. So, um, we've dabbled in different things. I used to be a photographer. I had a background in marketing, um, but that was a little hard to do with the kids. So um, something that we started this year that was supposed to help, you know, give me a little bit more time with my, with the kids because I want to homeschool them. We turned our home, half of it into an Airbnb, um, just like did this crazy renovation all ourselves, a total do-it-yourself project. Um, and my husband, for the most part, his income, he does events and weddings. He's a DJ. Um, so he'll mostly it's weddings and then sometimes he'll do like restaurants and, and, and bars and stuff. Um, and so that, that was kind of where we were, you know, expecting most of our income to come from. And then when COVID-19 happened, it just kind of stopped everything. Um, all of my husband's weddings got canceled. All of the restaurants obviously closed. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of our guests from Airbnb canceled. And Airbnb gave all of the guests a carte blanche to cancel without any penalties. So like 100% of the dollars that we were expecting to get, we didn't get any of that. It just kind of vanished overnight. Um, and and I would say, thankfully, you know, I, I will recognize like I'm... I, we're both very privileged in, in the opportunities we've been given. We're privileged to have a house. Um, 
and we're privileged to have have loved ones who had extra money to help us out through this. My parents were able to give us money to provide for our food between then and now. Um, but as we've seen, as, we, as we've seen the extension, and as we've seen kind of what the long-term social distancing mandates will do to um, the tourism here, the restaurant industry here, the weddings, like the inability to have any kind of social gatherings, that actually takes away everything that, you know, that we would be doing to make money for our family. And mm -hmm. if we can't, if we can't keep going forward doing that, then how are we going to keep the roof over our head? And how are we going to provide for our kids? It's kind of been the question that we've had to be asking for the past couple weeks. So, um, so the movement is called. <laughs> yeah, in, in fact, going into that, so you started this movement, and yeah, yeah. what is it called? It's the hashtag. So, or? hashtag free TN, um, and it's the Free Tennessee Movement. And um, basically, what happened is Governor Lee announced the extension to the shutdown. Um, some friends of mine who agreed with me that this was this was an overreach. This was too much. It was one thing to ask for it for a couple of weeks, but to extend it. And then there's a very specific phrase he used, and he continues to use this. And it's it's for me, it's just a, a, a huge overreach. It's that social distancing will be the new way of life for Tennesseans until there's a vaccine, and that that will likely be about 18 months. It could be a year to 18 months before that happens. And that, that, that person, I mean, it crushes me and my family personally and directly. I know so many people that it does the same for. Um, but also when you look at, you know, our constitutional rights and the implication of, of that, we should be allowed to choose what kind of solutions we want. We should be allowed to choose what kind of risks we want to take with our own bodies. We have that, you know, we have those freedoms that are protected in the constitution and this 18 months of, of mandates is definitely stepping on those constitutional rights. And so the free TN movement is a movement to be truly free from those mandates. We do believe that, you know, it's important for there to be guidelines. We don't want anybody to be, you know, harmed or suffering, whether it's from a virus or from um, an economic crisis. And we believe there needs to be a solution that, you know, doesn't force other people to suffer for the sake of other people. You know what I mean? Like there needs to be a more balanced kind of solution. Now, have you looked at what the actual gate and phase one, two, and three rollouts are that have come from the White House task force and what that's been communicated to the governors? Um, yeah, so I was I was able to listen to um, the press conference when Deborah Burks kind of announced what the phase what they had like a three phase program, mm -hmm. and then I've been reading through in the last night um, Tennessee as a state their four phase program, and then my city mayor his four phase program. Right, and Davidson um, County, right? Exactly. Yeah, I'm in Davidson. Same County. as me. Same as me. Yeah. Yeah, and. Um, I mean, I have a lot of questions about it, like, you know, screening employees when they come in and taking their temperature and checking for the respiratory symptoms and wondering, is that a HIPAA violation? Um, and, you know, for customers to have to go through a similar screening process, just wondering like, man, these seem, these seem like a, a, a big overreach still. 
Um, and then also thinking through things like restaurants, if they are only allowed to have half their customer base and yet they have to do at least twice the amount of work in order for them to adhere to these strict guidelines mm -hmm. um, and restrictions, then how are they going to continue to stay in business? And what happens to those employees? We've already lost, you know, how, uh, however many <laughs> thousands of, yeah. yeah, like to unemployment. So then how much harder is it going to continue to be under those? And then the fact that there's no, there's not like a date to end it. It's, mm -hmm. they're saying we need to have fewer cases and um, and that that has to be the case for 14 days before they'll move into the next phase. And then mm -hmm. if that doesn't happen, they can move back into the other. So it's like yeah. this, we really don't have any idea when they say we're reopening Tennessee. Is it, is it really, it doesn't feel like it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, from what I understand and just from the scientific perspective, it's kind of like, and I hate to, to make this analogy, but think about like, if you're watching mice go through from a gate to a phase to another phase to another phase and then the way that they go in and out of the scientific experiment is if certain thresholds are crossed here then you have to go back to here until you figure out when it's safe again to go into this next phase so i that's kind of like how it goes unfortunately it is a thing where, and I, and I remember the mayor saying this, uh, Mayor Cooper, um, four, it's four phases that's based on data, not on dates. Right. So that is how they're pushing it out, rolling it out, et cetera. Do you have fears? Have you thought about maybe, you know, what is your perspective on what if, we do go back too quickly and then we're in a worse situation that's lasting longer because we didn't do this carefully enough. Yeah, I hear that. And I think it's important to look at some of the other states and how they've, how they've done things as well. Mm -hmm. um, I, there, there are other states who haven't had shutdowns. And if you look at the, um, there are, you know, smart people who've done mathematical calculations to take their population, their density, the number of cases and the percentage of deaths. And the ones that did not shut down seem to be faring either exactly the same or better than the ones who did shut down. So um, I think it's important to take that into consideration. I also think like when it comes to, um, sorry, I just lost my train of thought. No, it's fine. <laughs> it's, a, it's a deep subject. <laughs> it's a deep subject. It's a deep uh, subject and it's an emotional subject. It is an emotional so, subject. Yeah. I'm going to catch my train of thought again. Thinking through. All of the things that they could be looking at. It, you know, they could be looking at the data, but they could be looking at, you know, the rural density of things. They could be looking at, um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what else. I, I'm not really sure. I think the, we're in such a chaotic time trying to figure it out while we're in the middle of it. Right. Which is kind well, of like trying to get out of a car wreck when you're in the middle of it. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's yeah. really, it's a really hairy, sticky time. Well, and I think, so for me, and this is, I finally caught my train of thought for me, when I look at the, when I look at the big picture, mm -hmm. um, 
is it possible that there will be a, a, an uptick in cases afterwards? Yeah, it's totally possible. Um, but, and this, and this is just a personal conviction of mine, and this is, and this stands with how I feel about the constitution. Um, I am more afraid of losing liberty than I am of a virus in the big picture. You know, I, I, and when you look at what our country was founded on and the freedoms, people went to war just to protect our way of life. And we're being told that we are forced to give up our way of life out of fear of a virus. Is it possible that the virus would come back up? Absolutely. But I also believe that I am personally responsible for my own well-being. I believe I'm personally responsible for my family's well-being. And that that's not your, you know, like you're not responsible for me. And I have to be able to make the choices as to what risks I'm willing to take with myself and with my family. And instead what's happening is we're being told which risks we are and are not allowed to take. And to the point that a lot of people are being forced to suffer. I, I saw in Cookville, a family who um, because of COVID um, had lost their job and actually were evicted and they're homeless right now. And they were living out of their car for several days. And I just thought how ironic that they're being told to stay home, but by staying home, they don't have a home anymore to stay in. That literally the solution has become worse than the problem and, and makes it worse. So I, it's like, it's this balance. You have to find something that is somewhere in the middle. It cannot just be this all or nothing extreme. Right. So I think too, that part of the problem with helping families that are struggling with the current situation is that the SBA loans dried up in the first oh, yeah. stimulus package. Um, we, we definitely lost out on that on our end. We were, uh, we submitted our application the second that the application opened up because we had done it the day before. Yeah. So we were ready. But it appears, and I can't name any particular bank names because I'm not going to do that, but I do know that there are class action suits against some of the banks that, that shuffled the applications to favor the larger applications to process first just because they were so overwhelmed with all of them. Yeah. But they also got commissions based on the size of the loans as opposed to... Um, you know, as opposed to the numbers of loans that they pushed through or whatever, whatever it is that they did. Right. And unfortunately, that meant that the smaller businesses who are the ones who have people who are having to close their doors or live in their cars or do whatever it is, do something drastic to uh, survive. Those are the businesses that were, you know, were victimized, if you will, in the bank's reshuffling. Yeah. So, the applications. So this next package, I don't know all the details. I just remember the number was like $484 billion, I believe, oh with the God. next uh, package to go out to small businesses. Do you know if you're able to, with your Airbnb and with also your uh, DJ business together, will you be able to apply for payroll to be covered for each of you 
throughout whatever this ends up being because we don't really know. Yeah, I haven't looked into the details of the new package. Um, everything, everything that's come out, we've applied for. We just haven't, we haven't gotten our stimulus money yet. We haven't. We, I don't know if they're going to run out of that. We, we didn't get the business loan either. And as far as I've seen so far, we don't qualify for unemployment in, within the state. I keep on I you am qualify for something. I, I would definitely okay. talk to somebody because I think even I need someone as, to help me walk it through it. Even I'm as self-employed, you will okay. qualify for something. I don't know the specifics around it, but talk to like your banker or somebody you you need um or talk, if you have an accountant or someone that you use for it. Yeah, I have a friend. Yeah, to definitely reach out and, okay. and find out what you need to do. And then with this next package, get that application, make sure that it's still in line. I know that ours is still in line. And so yeah. when the new package is fully released, then um, then we should be good to go on our end as long as they process it, right. you know, <laughs> so we'll see. So as far as the, uh, the rallies or the protests or whatever you want to call them that have happened. Tell me when was the first one? Was mm -hmm. that the, what's we today? We did one on Sunday the 19th. Sunday the 19th of April. Okay. Yeah. And this one was, um, it was local. So we had one in Nashville. There was another in Chattanooga. There was one in Knoxville, Johnson city, Memphis, Jackson, Cookville. I think those mm -hmm. were all the cities that were a part of the free Tennessee movement. Um, you know, the Facebook group went from 30 people to 7,000 people in about four days, um, just grew real fast. That's fast. <laughs> yeah, it was really fast. And it's all volunteer based. Um, and a lot of people I just, I met within the first two days talking to them online and, and, you know, building up trust and rapport through conversations much like this. Mm -hmm. And, um, and city leaders were kind of nominated. So like, I've never been to Memphis. <laughs> so we just like, yeah, you needed your kind of, represent representatives all around. Exactly. So it was kind of cool to see these groups and, you know, hundreds of people in, in Chattanooga and in, and in Knoxville and in Johnson city and Cookville just kind of pop up and, and show up together. Um, and, you know, we, we agreed on, we, we decided, look, this is nonpartisan. I don't like, you can represent any party. I don't care, but this is nonpartisan. This is about our constitutional right to peaceably assemble our right to life and liberty and our right to equal representation under the law. Mm -hmm. And as soon as you have somebody deemed non-essential, they are no longer equal and they can't pursue life and liberty and no one can have uh, the right to peaceably assemble under these executive orders. Um, and so that was kind of what the, the rally was about, was kind of protesting the executive orders that were taking away our constitutional rights. And um, we said, you know, we want everybody to be safe and we want everyone to feel comfortable. So I wasn't, I mean, of course, I'm not going to mandate something that I don't want mandated on me. I wasn't going to force people to be socially distant or wear masks, but I also wasn't going to allow people to be ridiculed or, you know, discouraged from that. So we agreed. We wanted completely safe options. You could ride in your car and just beep your horn and be fully protected in your own vehicle. You could be down on the ground, wear a mask, keep six feet apart, advocate for yourself, and, and definitely take the distance that you want. But then there were, of course, people who didn't want to do any of that, and they just wanted to be free and be out there with signs, and we were welcoming them as well. So it was just, it was, it was a 
you know, that, that was how we were going to be peaceable was respecting one another's boundaries. Um, and the rally that we have coming up on um, Monday, the 27th will be the same idea. Just we're asking everybody from the whole state to come to the state Capitol and protest it there. Okay. And were there, was there anything else last week or was it just on Sunday? With Free Tennessee, that is it. There have been other people who've um, like had up their own protests. I think there were about 50 people on the 20th on Monday. Mm -hmm. I've seen other people say that they just went out there and there's like a dozen people. So there's mm -hmm. definitely people kind of continuing to protest throughout the week, but the Free Tennessee movement has only scheduled two events so far. Okay, okay. All right. I think I might have been getting it confused with something else because I saw other dates and I, so I didn't really know what was going on. Um, okay. So the 19th was at the Capitol. That was the one I did go to that. I walked up, I live right here near it. And so I walked over to watch and I saw all the cars and the beeping and the, <laughs> and the flag waving and the waving and the hanging out of the car. I think every, I was like, these people really need something entertaining to do. Cause I think that they're having fun right now. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. <laughs> Just to get out of the house. Right. Yes. Um, so I do have a question though. What, if something kicked up as a result of the protests because even though people are free to do what they want to do if they're not socially distanced distancing and they're able to trace it back to something like that like let's i'm just assuming let's just say mondays is going to be huge mm -hmm. and that there's all these people and then they attribute a bigger outbreak to that what do you think about that does that concern you I mean, I'd be sad if there was an outbreak attributed to anything, if you could trace it back to a grocery store or if yeah. you could trace it back to, you know, like no matter what, I think it's sad when, when people are, are sick and, and die from any of that. Um, I think it depends on whether or not you agree that your right to assemble is essential and, you know, grocery right. shopping is essential. So it could happen there. Well, I think my right to assemble is essential and, and, and everybody who was there made that same agreement. And, um, and we're willing to take that risk. And if it happens, is it sad? Absolutely. But I stand by that, that the right to assemble is essential. You know, our constitutional rights are essential. Okay. Sounds good. Um, so I wanted to explore a little bit about what we talked about before we actually started recording about the vaccine potentially, not the vaccine, I'm sorry, no, okay. about the actual COVID-19 starting sometime back in the fall and the, mm. the speculation that there was that. I've always thought that this started way before because I feel like it's kind of this rumbling that's going along and then it starts, you know, going up from there. Yeah. And, and so it's probably been festering, if you will, uh, whatever you want to call it, for months and then finally started showing itself and then us having the detectability with the test and so forth to be able to actually know what's happening. So what, what's your thought on that? Yeah, I definitely think it was here in the fall. Um, and you know, the study in California is reassuring the one that is showing that, yeah, it's been here since what, September. Mm -hmm. um, I personally, I remember in, in the fall having this cough that would not go away. Um, and I, 
someone who I love homeopathy. I do a lot of natural home remedies. So when things hit me and they last for that long, it's a little weird. Um, but that was, that was like the worst symptom for me. But right after that, um, one of my close friends just fell like deathly ill. She was out high fever, um, all of the symptoms at the end, she was coughing up blood. She went to the hospital twice. They had no idea what it was. She mm. tested negative for the flu, mm -hmm. and they were like, "We just like we just don't know. You just we just don't know what to, what to tell you." Mm -hmm. And um and and a lot of our friends had very similar symptoms all around the same time frame. So for us, like it it seems very reasonable and believable that it was here and that that's probably what that was. And yeah, it's not fun. I don't want anybody to have that. It's no, no. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely don't want anybody to have it, but I also think wash your hands, stay home if you're sick, stay, you know, like I, I understand taking normal common sense hygiene type. Right, know, right. So, right. Um, so what are you doing? I mean, I understand that you're in the middle of this free Tennessee movement and you, you know, you've got a part in the leadership of that. And I know that you've got other people that are stepping up to help with that as well. But as far as your personal situation, and you don't have to answer if you don't want to, but are you thinking of anything else that you might be able to do right now to get through this? Um, because I mean, even we can protest and we can say that this is going to happen and we can argue about it and, you know, say whatever to the governor and do all these things. But at the end of the day, we don't really know what's going to happen from that perspective yet. Yeah. And so it's, if you're stuck in it, what are you going to do next? Do you have any, you know, plans of uh, switching course? Does your husband have any plans to, change anything that he might be able to do to help your situation, your personal situation? Yeah. yeah, we, I mean, that is, that is definitely the conversation on the table every day. Um, some ideas that we've had have been around, you know, we worked really hard to create this space for somebody else to live in. So maybe we could rent it out for, like on a long-term basis for less money. Um, and that would at least help to supplement some of the income. Mm -hmm. Um, course depends on if there's a market for that or not you know I know that you know housing and rental prices will ebb and flow so it, it's it's an idea it has to be the right amount for us to be able to stay in the house um unfortunately another one and I don't like this one is you know other counties are opening up and are not having the same restrictions and my husband can go work there but that means he's giving business to another county while Nashville suffers and that makes us sad, especially when Mayor Cooper is wanting to hike the property taxes up 20%. And for, you know, like to know that like our city is going to be suffering even more than our neighboring city. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, it's something that we, we might be able to do. Um, so those are just some of the ideas that we've thought of. But obviously, mm -hmm. until we know more about, you know, how, how this will play out and the effect that Free Tennessee might have on the mayor's decisions. Um, we're trying not to, not to jump into anything rashly. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, as far as temporary situations go, you don't really know, is this going to be another month? Is it going to be two weeks? Is it going to be three months? Uh, you know, how's it going to roll out? How are the, the other thing is, 
how's the market going to respond? That's going to be the key yeah, because be think true. about it. If somebody was getting married in the next couple of months and all of that's been canceled as a result of this, let's say it all comes online in a month. Are they going to rebook yet? Who knows? You know, who knows? Yeah. And, or are they going to decide to do something altogether different? Mm -hmm. Do they have the money to do it? Uh, right. Is their location still available? Can their location keep up with all of the restrictions? Does that mean they have to cut their wedding party in half? Like so many questions. Right, right. And then the whole Airbnb situation. You know, there's a lot of those around here. So what happens with the competition of that? And yeah, so yeah, there's a whole lot of things. And I need to look into it. Um, I, I know that there are some COVID-19 restrictions if you're going to continue to operate your Airbnb that you have to adhere to. And because we live in the same house, I'm not sure if it's possible. It just like we, that just might be off the table. Is yours a situation where they come in from a different entrance? Or they do you come any... in from a different entrance. So we might be okay, but do they share I just any haven't looked rooms? into it. Do they share any rooms, like usage of any rooms with you no, guys? No, we share, we share a driveway. That's it. So Oh. Well, maybe. I would say that you would have more luck there than you would if it were a room in your house. Right. With a shared kitchen, a shared bathroom, or anything like that. that right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Was there anything else that you would like to add before I ask my last question? <laughs> oh, goodness. I, I can't think of anything. <laughs> I'm just very, very grateful for an opportunity to get to talk it out and to say yeah. some of the things. It feels really good. So thank you. Well, good, good. I'm glad. I, I feel for you. I feel for your situation. I mean, we have our own situation, but it's not the same. It's definitely not. We have different types of businesses. I do run an online business and it's busy, and, yeah. but we do have a business that was mostly shut down, um, yeah. if you will. So I get that, totally get that. Um, and have an empathy for that and for you and personally. Thank you. Um, I did think of something. Yeah. What? I, that we didn't get to touch on that I think is important to talk about. Um, and I think it's the mental health and the emotional health of, mm -hmm. of what prolonged social distancing will do and the effects of that. Um, and I think we've gotten to a place that it's really easy for us to look at physical health and say that that is its own thing. And then mental and emotional health is another thing and they don't relate at all, but it's just not true. They relate. They relate completely. <laughs> and if we are, so we've been isolating for so long, right? And we're, everybody's stressed. Whether you think you should be isolating or you think it should be over, you're stressed. We're all feeling that. And when we come back out, we will be exposed to the virus. It is going to happen. And those of us who are feeling at the very bottom of this level of stress, who've had no one to hug, no one to, to release that stress with, no emotional connection with friends. In fact, a lot of division if you disagree with any of your friends, right? Mm -hmm. And all this hostility. Your immune system is tanked. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to get exposed to the virus after all of that, guess what? It's probably going to be more severe than yeah. if you had gotten it two weeks earlier when you still had all of those resources that helped to, to give you that holistic health. Mm -hmm. And 
if we are in this constant ebb and flow of unknown, I can work, I can't work, I'm essential, I'm not essential, I, I, I have to wear a mask, I can touch you, I can't touch you, all of this, for the next year, it's going to be worse. It's like the virus is going to be worse because of that, you know, not, and then it might have been if we hadn't done that. So, and I, I, I think too, it's important to, to take into consideration the fact that, you know, suicide hotlines were, were getting hit over almost 900% increase. And, and just what unemployment does to people and their and their and their hearts, you know, heart disease mm -hmm. increases with that kind of thing. So just our health is going to completely tank with this. And if we don't talk about that as well, then you know we might as well say we don't care about them. And and I don't think that that's true. I think we do care. We just have to find a way to actually show it. Mm -hmm. So well, and think about all of the people who have been laid off from jobs if they don't. And the unemployment we all know is not near enough of, compared to what we make right. uh, most of the time. So people can't continue to pay those health care premiums either. And so then they don't have health care insurance. Right. Uh, and then they get, yeah, it just, it's, it's like this, it's this ball that keeps rolling and, and rolling and rolling. And then you turn around on the other side and it's like, well, the virus is doing this and the community, you know, the, the money, the financial part is doing this. And, and so it's all one big world tragedy, if you will. And I think we're yeah. all going to suffer through some sort of traumatic response to that. Yeah. But through all that pain, through all of the things that uh, we're having to go through, I do believe it's temporary. I don't yeah. know how temporary, but I believe it's temporary. What are your hopes at the end of it? that maybe might things might change in the world as a result. Is there anything that you're thinking of beyond? Hmm. I think, I think I would love to see uh, people valuing both their, their freedom and also um, making choices that are respectful of other people and mindful of how those choices affect one another. I, and I think that that goes on whether, you know, on both sides of the, you know, shut down or not shut down debate. Um, I just, I just hope that we have a better, a better grasp of the unintended consequences of choices and that we really, you know, as a state, as a city, as a country, really take the time to think through those unintended consequences before we make decisions and that mm -hmm. we, you know, that we spend time doing this kind of dialogue with one another, especially if we disagree. I think Benjamin Franklin said, you know, if everybody is thinking alike, then nobody's thinking. And I think it's really important that we, we think. <laughs> it is important that we think. And we yes. think through all the options and all the perspectives. It's very difficult to do that, though. It is very yeah. difficult, especially to look from another angle that you've probably never been to before. Yeah, it's really hard to see what's around the around the corner on the other side. Well, I hope that everything goes forward well for you. I think that you'll find some things that will solve your personal issues, but I also um, commend you for pulling people together in that way. Um, I hope that everybody does. I mean, from my personal standpoint, I hope everybody keeps their distance so that they're not spreading the virus around and we can get over this faster and uh, and then everybody can go back to work and back to school and, and do all the things that we love to do and 
whatever that new normal may be, in which I would love for you to listen to the other episodes of the podcast as there's lots of different thoughts and ideas of how this world is going to change after all this. So, sure, yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Kimberly. And it's thank been you. nice talking to you today. Nice talking to you too. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening today. Subscribe to this podcast to hear all our episodes. Go to shoutyourcause.com to our podcast page for information on our guests and notes from this show.